0: the Holy Gospel according to Luke, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. That is what their ancestors did to the prophets. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. (laughs) Do to others as you would have them do to you. With the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. If you are familiar with Monty Python's The Life of Brian, you'll remember the scene with a crowd standing on a hillside listening to Jesus preach. The people in back are struggling to hear what Jesus is saying. <coughs> what's he saying, someone asks. Blessed are the cheese makers, I think, another replies. A woman asks, well, what's so special about the cheese makers? <laughs> Her husband replies, these things are not meant to be taken literally, my dear. He's referring to all manufacturers of dairy products. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's he saying now, someone asks. Blessed are the meek, comes the reply. A woman replies, oh, that's lovely. I'm glad they're getting something. They have a hell of a time. It's funny or perhaps tragic. How a British satire from 1979 can still echo in my mind whenever I hear the Sermon on the Mount, or in this case, Luke's version, the Sermon on the Plain, one of Jesus' most famous sermons. While comedic and brilliant, Monty Python does not touch on the deep theological and political ramifications of this gospel. That is not their job. Monty Python's job is to make us laugh. Jesus' job is to make us imagine. Jesus' job is to make us imagine a reality that is altogether contrary to the one in which people lived 2,000 years ago and still live in now, a new reality, a kingdom reality, where the poor are rich, the hungry are full, the meek are powerful, the sad rejoice, the despised are embraced, The crushed are lifted up, a reality where the rich, powerful, well-fed, self-righteous, and famous are cursed. This gospel is a kingdom vision of liberation for those who are on the bottom of the pile. In short, this gospel is for losers, because only losers can fully appreciate the blessing that Jesus gives in this sermon. Winners do not need consolation. The self-righteous don't need forgiveness. Those living for today do not need the assurance of resurrection. Those with power feel no need for grace. But here, in this sermon, in this gospel, Jesus is speaking directly to the ones on the lowest rung of the social ladder and says, your time has come. Your kingdom is here those who would say that Jesus is not a political preacher have never read this gospel. Because what Jesus is doing here by addressing the losers is directly challenging the social structures that keep the poor poor, the hungry hungry, and the rich rich. At the same time, he empowers the powerless and blesses them. In fact, Jesus does more than just bless them. After all, the hungry cannot eat a blessing. And the powerless cannot challenge authority all because they've been blessed. The Greek word in this text is "makariai." We translate this word as blessed, but it means happy. How to make hungry people happy, feed them. How to make poor people happy, house them and give them jobs. How to make weeping and despairing and hated people happy, give them health care so they can access counseling and therapy and mental health resources. How to make the meek happy? Give them a voice. How to make the powerless happy? Give them power. The societal inversion and transfer of power here stirs up the people and causes all kinds of political upheaval. Jesus' sermon is an inspirational rally cry to the losers and a public disturbance to the winners. In doing this, Jesus points a direct finger, and likely not the most popular finger, at governors, at magistrates, and presidents, and says, your ways of injustice are wrong. Your kingdoms are done. My kingdom has arrived. But this gospel is not only political. Truthfully, this gospel is also deeply personal. This gospel not only speaks to societal losers, but it also speaks to personal losers. Not only does it challenge structures that perpetuates hate between people, it also challenges the hate which we turn in on ourselves. Our tendency to regard ourselves as worthless losers. And internal hatred with deep roots in spiritual poverty hunger for approval, grief over insufficiencies, inadequacies, regrets, awareness of being unpopular, disliked, or even hated. Yes, this gospel speaks to external (laughs) and internal structures of hate, to losers without and losers within. Two years ago, dove, soap, released a study called Dove Global Girls Beauty and Confidence Report. This study interviewed 5,000 girls between the ages of 10 to 17 from 14 countries. They discovered that 54% of these young women have dangerously low body esteem, which has direct impact on their lives such as refusing to leave the house if they are not satisfied with their appearance, withdrawing from family, succumbing to eating disorders and self-harm, being afraid to enter into relationships, and being unwilling to go out for a sport or a team. This study indicates that body image remains a huge global issue for girls. This means that almost 55% of young women around the world do not like the image that they see, in the mirror. They are poor in spirit, they have meekness forced upon them by gender stereotypes and impossible expectations. They weep at an age when they should be laughing, they hunger for acceptance of and love for self. Do these findings in this study also apply to those of us who are beyond the age of 17? Do they also extend to boys and men? Do they also apply to our LGBTQIA brothers and sisters? To our brothers and sisters with black or brown skin? Do they apply to those of diverse socioeconomic status? In other words, is this a common malaise? Truthfully, who among us likes the image that peers back at us in the mirror every day? Do we see the face of a saint? Or do we see the face of a sinner, a loser? What image peers back at you when you look in the mirror? Do you see your mother's eyes, your father's nose? This is delightful, if you love those people. But what if the features that stare back at you call to mind mother, father, aunt, uncle, who has harmed you or others, whose jawline or curl of the lip you share does not delight you? Do we see in the mirror a thickening waist, a receding hairline, worried eyes, a stooping posture? When we look in the mirror, we see far more than a two-dimensional reflection. We peer into our soul, into our head, into our ancestral past and future, and that can be terrifying. Because we obsess so much on the losers staring at us in the mirror that we cannot see the beauty, we cannot see the inner saint. Sometimes we are fortunate enough to have ones in our lives who remind us of our saintliness when we are blind to it. And for me, that is my husband. In the 16th century, when Martin Luther was asked why we baptize babies, as we're going to today, instead of waiting for them to grow up, he said, because it works. (laughs) This is the man who wrote thousands and thousands of words. Because it works, in the Lutheran church, saints are made by mixing God's promise of love to love this child forever and for always, and water washing over that tiny forehead. The baby is marked on the forehead with the sign of the cross long before we know what or who this child will grow up to be, whether dictator or peasant, victimizer or victimized, jailer or jailed, made a saint regardless if the he becomes a she or the she becomes a he, regardless of the color of skin or the name the child bears. When you enter the waters of baptism, you are made a saint. The making of a saint is God's work, not human work. Politically, this is a flattening of human hierarchy. That creates vertical structures that oppress and harm, rendering some powerful and some powerless, some winners and some losers. This means the CEO and the homeless, then, are the same in the eyes of God. This means black, brown, and white skin are the same in the eyes of God. This means the imprisoned and the free are the same in the eyes of God. This means she and he and they are the same in the eyes of God. This means documented and undocumented are the same in the eyes of God. This means losers are promoted to winners and winners are demoted to losers and somehow they meet in the middle, just as people in the eyes of God. Personally, this means that whatever face peers back at you in the bathroom mirror first thing in the morning or last thing at night, whether drunk or sober, exhausted or energized, ashamed or proud, whatever face peers back at you, when all that you see are unkempt eyebrows and large pores and crooked teeth and new wrinkles and haunted eyes and troubled lips and furrowed brow, When all you see is the face of a loser and a sinner not worth a damn thing, God sees something altogether different. And God sees the face of a saint, astonishingly beautiful. Anyone with children knows this phenomenon, right? As kids go through those really weird and awkward phases of childhood and adolescence, with the teeth too large for their face, And then the acne and then the braces and the cracking voices and the weird smells and the insecure, uncertain eyes. But the mother beholds sheer beauty. Which is why we all think our kids are the most beautiful kids in the world. And so too does God. Who looks at the hungry and the weeping and the despised and the unwashed and the ones with self-loathing. God looks at the losers, politically and personally, and sees nothing but sheer beauty. We see the sinner in ourselves, but God sees the saint. Today is all saints day. Sainthood does not mean perfection. Thank God. Sainthood is not our doing, either earned by being a winner or unearned by being a loser, Sainthood is God's doing. Who takes all of humanity, holds us high, and when we cry sinner, God cries saint, because nothing in heaven or on earth or under the earth, neither angels or demons, whatever those things mean to you, neither the present nor the future, neither powers nor principalities nor presidencies, nor the highest of your high. Or the lowest of your low will be able to separate you from the love that God has for you in Christ Jesus. So, let's try this tonight. All of us, after we've brushed our teeth and we squint at ourselves in the mirror, when that voice in your head starts to chirp and says, Sinner, try seeing yourself instead as God sees you, and shout, or whisper, Saint,